Hello. Today I bring you Heba. And our co my co-host Sunny is not feeling so good. I guess there was a, a big concert in London that he attended last night. So that's okay. Um, so today we have Heba, like I said, and Heba and I unfortunately have a very similar story and I was honored that she wanted to come on and share her story and I will pass it over to Heba to let her know or to tell you guys what she is speaking about today. Hello Heba. Hi Lisa, thanks. <laughs> Hi, thanks for having me. Um, as I said, this is like the club that nobody wants to belong to. Um, and it's a club that really doesn't get talked about much. So, um, I'm honored to be here and yeah, looking forward to us talking a bit more. Yes. We have our Kleenexes ready. We are ready to dive into this unfortunate story. So, like I said, we both are a part of this club and, um, it's about losing siblings. And I feel that and I don't know, maybe you feel a bit differently. I feel that, you know, when a parent loses a child, it's devastating. When a child loses a mother or a father, it's devastating. I feel that when a sibling loses a sibling, it's not talked about as much because I think all the attention is on the parents and the children. So um, we would love to hear well, you. Well said. <laughs> well said. Um, so I've been on this journey for almost 10 years. Um, in two weeks or so, we'll mark the 10-year anniversary of my brother's passing, which is crazy to think about. Um, unfortunately, 10 years ago, um, my brother got into a tragic motorcycle accident, um, and he passed away on the scene. Um, actually, passed away instantaneously. Um, and we learned about it the next day. What? When he, he did not show up to where he needed to be. So he was on his way home from a friend's house on a Saturday night. And there was a big, uh, boys fantasy football draft on Sunday. Mm. Didn't answer his phone. Uh, he was supposed to carpool with my husband and my husband's like, this is kind of weird, but you know, he was young. He was 30 years old and thought he went out. He had a great time. Uh, maybe, you know, similarly to why it's two of us today, had a great time, probably yeah. fell asleep at a friend's house, cell phone died, he'll he'll show up, he'll be where he needs to be. And just, you know, my brother, uh, Kareem, lived lived a, like, fearless, I live, I live my life, I only have one, and enjoyed it. And so that was not abnormal for him to kind of go do his thing. Um, so I, ironically, I was actually going to attend a remembrance, an eight year remembrance of one of my close friend's sisters who had passed away the same day mm. in a car accident up in Northern California. And, um, you know, got up normal day, try to get myself and my kids together to go to this remembrance and be there for my friend. And I remember my husband calling me and I was out the night before. So I had a rough night and saying, Hey, your brother's not here and he's not answering his phone and I'm worried about him. This is actually not, not him. And I said, yeah, he would not miss this. 
Yeah. So at that point I knew something had happened. And so here I am in my pajamas with a one-year-old and a four-year-old. Um, and the girls were still in their pajamas and my brother lived down the street. And so I said to my husband, I said, call the neighbor and tell the neighbor to go ring the doorbell. And he said, I did, no one's answering. So I need you to go down there. So I threw the girls as is in our pajamas and drove down the street, took the car key and knew something had happened at this point. Just never, ever thought it would uh, play out the way it did. And so I get, I get to his house. I see his car there. So it's like, okay, he was out on his bike but I don't see his bike. And I leave my daughters in the car. Uh, of course, the car was off and I ran inside and noticed he hadn't been home. Hmm. At that point, I knew something happened. Um, Did you feel that feel like, in your stomach? Yeah, there was, there were a few pits that didn't make sense for a few days. And I'll tell you those after, um, after I tell the story and I run back to the car and I'm like, something happened. He might have gone to an accident. He might have got into an altercation with somebody. Like, great, he might be in jail. Is really what I was worried about. Or, or he got into an accident. And he can't call us. But I'm like, you know, they he would he doesn't leave home without his ID. Um, so I knew something was wrong. I ran back to the car, and as I opened my door, I noticed my oldest was out of her car seat. She was in a booster. She took herself out of it, and was on the phone, and had answered a call that came in on my Bluetooth. Um, and my brain was in like, I need to call my husband who's with my older brother, um, and figure out what do I do next? Because I didn't know, but I knew something was wrong. And what I didn't realize is my dad was on the phone. Mm. And so I remember saying to my dad, I gotta go. I gotta call you back. I gotta go. I gotta call you back. And I hung up and I looked at my daughter and she looked like she had seen like a ghost and not sure what was happening. And I called my husband back and I said, just go to mom and dad's. At that point, I knew something was really bad. Um, and he said, well, I said, just go to my parents' house. I'll meet you there. And I called my dad back and I knew. And I could just, when I called my dad back, I could just hear him screaming. And he said, it's your brother. It's Kareem. I said, I know. At that point, I knew. Mm. Um, and I, I had to drive across the city. Um, you know, I ran every single traffic light in San Francisco that day with two kids in the car with my hazards on. And I remember calling my best friend who I was with the night before. And I said, I need you to talk to me and I need you to keep me safe so I could get home. And I remember her saying to me, like, it's okay. It's not as bad as you think it is. And I was like, at this point, did you know he had passed? I, at this point, I had remembered at that point, you know, it's like you, you go into like this adrenaline rush where you're yes. blocking things out, you're keeping things in. And at that point I remembered my mom's best friend called and said, are you okay? And I said, I'm on my way. And she said, it's bad. And I said, I remember my dad saying, there was a moment where like really hit, mm -hmm. I was actually on the freeway at this point and said to myself, I remember my dad saying medical examiner we only know why the medical examiner comes for one reason. Um, so I got to my parents' house. By that time, my brother and my husband had gotten there. Um, and the front door of my parents' house was wide open. They had, you know, mm -hmm. uh, a gate and a wooden door and they were both open. And as I pulled up, they live on a pretty steep hill. Um, as I pulled up in front of the house, I could hear the screams 
till this day, those sounds like still resonate oh, pretty, yeah. pretty, mm-hmm. pretty clearly. And I could hear them screaming and I turned off the car. I left the girls in the car and I just ran out and I see my dad and my brother, my older brother and my husband just on the floor screaming their, their hearts out. And there's more screaming coming from upstairs and it's my mom. And she's with her best friend who happened to be there when the medical examiner showed up. Just screaming. Suddenly, I have one of my close friends is there and she's like, I came to get your kids. And I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, your friend called me. I was in the city. I'm taking your kids, just go. I don't even remember what happened to my kids. They were taken to somebody's house. They were safe. They were fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my brother was, um, so what happened was my brother was um, exactly what I thought, out with some friends mm-hmm. the night before. I was also out. And I remember thinking to myself, I should call him and tell him to meet up with me and my mm-hmm. friends. We were celebrating. And um, I knew I needed to get home. My husband used to work graveyard shifts at that point. And so I said, I can't stay out too much later. Paul's got to get to work. And I drove home and he was outside. My husband used to ride a motorcycle. It was the last day he rode his motorcycle. And I said to him, why are you taking your bike? Um, I'd love for you to take your car instead. And he said, you're late. You got home too late. Um, they were, they were, you know, making an extension or adding the new part of the Golden Gate of the Bay Bridge at that point. Mm-hmm. And he's like, there's going to be too much traffic because this is when it closed down the lanes. I need to ride my bike or I'll be late to work. And I said, please be careful. Um, I went to bed. I woke up at 1.15 in the morning and was throwing up profusely. Um, so as I learned the story of, of Kareem, um, Kareem did exactly what we thought. He was also out having a good time, fell asleep at a friend's house, um, woke up a little bit after midnight, went to the store and got her some medicine, which is the story she tells us and her favorite candy. And it was like a really, really close friend. It wasn't a girlfriend or anybody, somebody he was really close with and said, you're probably going to need these in the morning. And she said, where are you going? He's like, I'm going home. I have a draft and, uh, I want to like get my gear and my notes are all at home and he left and he was going too fast um he missed a turn with a divide a concrete divide on the floor that I don't think anybody could could have noticed um flew off his bike Mm. he hit a tree and had severe head trauma and broke his collarbone. And by the time the guy in the car behind him stopped, because he saw he he passed him up, Kareem was gone. Um, so it's um, his official time of passing was listed as one twelve a.m. And you were throwing up at one thirty. Yeah, like one fifteen, one twenty. Um, and that, you know, that was the, the longest road and journey ahead of us to ever would have, you know, woke, waking up on a normal Sunday 
thinking it's going to just be another day and I have to be there for my friend um, who I'm still very close friends with. And really, she was part of my support to survive. Um, and realizing all of a sudden I was in this club with her and not knowing what to do or what to expect or what's next. Um, so, yeah, so as, as you said, you know, it is a lonely club. It is a hard club. And I've been on this journey for almost 10 years. And it doesn't get least, easy. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. But it does, it does evolve. Mm-hmm. And I thought for the longest time, the closer I held on to missing him, the closer it would bring me to him. And I learned that I would never want to be in the early stages again. As hard as this road is, those early days, those early years, those firsts. And it's in that instant, your life will never, ever, ever be the same. Your parents' life, your siblings' life, your life, everybody around, you know, your brother. uh, And it's, and it's so hard to explain to somebody that hasn't gone through any of this, how difficult it is. And I had like growing up, I'd lost like my grandma to old age, you know, my sister was the first person that like truly close to me that I loved so much passed away. And somebody who's a part of your every every day. day. I, I think the thing about sibling grief, Kareem was 30. Mm. Um, It was 10, nine, eight days before his 31st birthday and five days after my birthday. Mm. Um, And what, what we don't realize with sibling grief. And again, I I did a lot of therapy. I did a lot of reading. um, I did a lot of self-care, but it does change the dynamics of a family. Each one of us plays a role. Each one of us has a role. Um, And it it does. It changes your parents forever. Um, It changes you forever. It changes your other siblings if there are. Um, But, you know, I think the hardest part was acknowledging, this is really hard to say out loud, um, acknowledging that when people were checking up on us, they were really checking up on my parents, mm-hmm. which, um, and Kareem didn't have any kids. So it, we didn't have that complexity. Cause I'm sure that would have actually probably been the first thing people would have checked up on. Yes. Um, but for many, many years, um, and many occurrences, people said, how are your parents doing? It was very infrequent that somebody said, how are you doing? Yeah. And I, re- I remember a few, maybe a yeah, a couple of weeks after my one of my aunts, who I love very dearly, had flown out from D.C., and she sat me down and she said, you're taking care of your parents. Who's you're taking-, taking care of your children. Who's taking care of you? And I said, don't worry about me. And she said, if you don't, you are going to break. Mm-hmm. You know, having a one-year-old and a four-year-old and a full-time career and a husband and, you know, it just... I, I stayed at my parents' house for two weeks. I never left. Couldn't leave. Yeah. 
I was there. I stayed with my mom and dad almost three months after my sister had passed because it was just me and my sister. And I just felt now it's all on me. And what do I need to do to help that? You know, and, and you do, you go through all this, you go through every stage of grief. And it's at one point, it's like, why did you leave me here to do it all on my own? You know? And um, yeah, it's hard. You know, um, one of the things was before cream passed, I thought I have two kids. It's wonderful. Yeah. I've been blessed. They're healthy. The day cream passed away, I never forget. I sat leaning outside of my bedroom window, my childhood bedroom window, and the sun hit me right in the face. And I was like, Oh, he's with me. And I stepped back, my husband like was there and he put his arms around me and I said, I think I need to have another child. And he just thought I was crazy. He's like, You're in a moment, like stop thinking like this. And I said, I don't know how I'm going to get through this on my own. And you had Jamal. And, and that's, he's been, I had, yeah, you know, a year later. Yeah. I uh, got pregnant and hence I, you know, have my, have my little boy who, you know, somehow bizarrely talks about my brother all the time and feels like he knows him. So he, he, yeah. So anyways, I, I understand what you're saying of like, you also have to take care of your parents and all the other things without the person yeah. who understands you the best. And the thing with me was my parents and my sister didn't live in the town, in the state we do. And so my sister was maybe less than 10 minutes from my parents, you know? So now here, my parents are alone there. And now my sister's not there. And it's like, you know, I now am helping, like, you know, I want to be there, but they're in a different state now, you know, and it's like, I can't, I mean, my niece and nephew, you know, they have their hard times and they're older, you know, in their mid twenties and late twenties, but I can't ask them, oh, you know, help me with grandma and grandpa, you know, because it's not their responsibility and they're the ones that lost a mom, you know? And so it's really, really hard. And now as you're planning, you know, your retirement and all this stuff, that's stuff Victor and I have to think about, like, who's going to be there for your mom and dad, you know? Yeah. It's also, it's similar. Like there are times where, you know, living, living in San Francisco is not an easy city. It's, it's home. It's where I grew up, but I always fantasize about what life could be like if we left because it's just a lot, right. And raising three kids here. Um, and I tell my husband, if it weren't for my parents who are down the street, I would leave. And, and part of it is because I know my children and my brother's kids give my mom a lot of hope. Mm -hmm. Um, and she now has three grandsons, all born after my brother passed, all of whom in some way carry his name within theirs. Mm. Um, but I know that these children like are a big piece of her therapy and she'll say it. 
And so I'm just like, I'm going to take my, you know, feeling guilty of like to take my kids away from her when she needs them. Um, but yeah, it's part of, you know, how forever changing this is. And I think the reality is, you know, society, from a society perspective, and I think, you know, been raised in this country versus like what my home roots and beliefs are, it's people move on pretty quickly from grief. And I think what no one talks about is exactly what you said in the beginning. It changes you. You will never, I will never be the person that I was on August 24th, 2013. Again, that person no. is forever gone. Yeah. Forever gone and, with him. And that's how my next question to you is how did you allow yourself to enjoy life after he passed away? And how long did that take? If, if you, you know, I mean, to me, for me, it's my sister passed away a little over three years ago. And I feel in my heart that I haven't enjoyed life and there'll always be I think there'll always be a part of it that will feel wrong to enjoy right so um I think there's a few things here right so one I went to therapy and boy did it take me a long time to find a therapist um we went to family therapy and went with my parents and it was really really hard to watch all these families especially parents who talked about how much their children, their other, their living children resented their grief. And it's an, it's an ironic, it's an ironic thing because I think there were times in my 10 year journey where I, you know, said to my mom, like, I need you to, I need you to move forward um, and, and enjoy life. But I think core of that is who my brother was. Mm -hmm. Um, So we did family therapy. I quickly pulled myself out of it. It was just too much for me. Um, to, to just feel like I said, to carry the pain of others in these group environments. Um, I found, uh, actually a sibling support group Mm -hmm. in the Bay area, um, through the Marin, I forget what this, what this organization was, um, hospice like program. And so I used to drive from San Francisco to Marin once a week to get therapy and was in a group sibling therapy. And it was probably one of the best things I did for myself. Um, I did that for nine months. I think it was a nine month program. Um, I found maybe one or two books at best that talked about sibling grief, which was also mind blowing that nobody was writing about this. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I did individual therapy um, that I used to go to every other week. And of course, of all the therapists that was focused on grief, the woman I picked ends up being in the same office building that my brother worked in. And so I figured, I was like, Oh, this is close to the office. This is great. And then when I walked there the first day, I was like, you effing got to be kidding me. Um, so I felt that was him telling me this is the right place to be. And then my oldest daughter went to therapy. Wow. About a year. She knew everything that happened. And she's the one that received the call from your father. Mm-hmm. She knew. 
she knew she was there she saw the screams the yelling you know in the in the Lebanese culture your doors become open and so there was a flurry of you know again he was 30 years old it was sudden it was tragic I mean I I don't even can't even tell you how many people were in my parents home for the first two weeks I don't think we cooked a single meal people were coming to take care I mean I remember fighting my mom like shoving food in her mouth because she wouldn't eat um understandable so but so my oldest yeah went to therapy she went to counselor for about a year um it's ironic she drew a picture in therapy one day which had three little hearts and she said I hope this heart is for a little brother that I could one day have um yeah I think I'm sure I still have that somewhere in her archive of things I've kept but yeah watching her go to therapy was really hard um we had lost, we lost our dog also like nine months into this journey. And I remember calling her therapist and saying, our dog just passed away and she's at school, um, at daycare. I don't know what to do. And she said, you need to tell her the truth. This child understands grief in a way that you don't, yeah. and you need to be prepared. I'll never forget these words that she's going to have a harder time with the dog passing than with your brother because she now understands grief. And so this is like on top of the grief and it's in her home. And her therapist was right. The best thing we did was tell her exactly what happened. Um, So yeah, so she went to therapy for a little bit over a year as well. Um, And then we went, we did a lot of therapy together because I, um, you know, as I was saying, my husband worked graveyard at the time. And so I used to, my oldest, uh, Iman and I used to sleep together in the bed. I had her in my bed every night. And I remember her therapist saying, she doesn't need to be in your bed. You need her in your bed and you've, and you've got to let her go. You keep saying she's having a hard time sleeping. This is about you. Mm -hmm. This isn't about her. And the best thing you can do to help her heal is like, let her and her sister share rooms. And so that's what we did. We put the girls in a room and I really then had to immerse on my journey of figuring it out without pulling her in with me, which she was, you know, which I, which I didn't realize I was doing. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, you know, a little bit over a year. I think when I got, um, you know, your body changes, no one, no one talks about how much your body changes and the, the, the hormonal impact of, you know, going oh to see my, my OB and going, I those are so off. And you said that because, um, woman to woman, um, that was the end of everything I had. And it was like, <laughs> I went to the doctor and I'm like, something's not right. And he's like, your grief. And, and I was like, okay. And that was it. I'm like, well, the journey of us ever having kids, it just went away, you know, but it was, and it truly, I'm so glad you said that because I didn't know. Yeah, neither did I. And, you know, it's interesting because when my sister passed, it was right at the beginning of COVID. And so everybody that absolutely hated COVID, I was thankful because I was able to stay with my parents for three months. Um, Victor was home every day to help me get through this. Mm -hmm. And um, so after people started, you know, going back into society, 
I remember we were at a golf course and this woman goes, oh my God, you are so skinny. And I was like, I have no desire to eat. I have no desire to do like anything, you know? And, and I don't know if that was me, um, almost like feeling like I can't eat because of the guilt I have, you know, why should I eat this meal? My sister's not here. Why should I have this Italian Sunday dinner, Mm -hmm. you know, and you go through all of that and it just, it's so hard. So I hundred percent had that same body thing. Yeah. I'm so glad you said that though. So yeah, I think the body thing was a surprise. I think it took me, it took me a year for my body to recalibrate itself. Um, and so hence then, then it was like, okay, I want, I'm going to go ahead and move forward and have, have try for another, for another mm-hmm. child. But I think the piece of resenting others is also something people don't talk about. It feels so horrible to say that for so many times I was like, why my brother and not yours? why my family and not yours? I'm like that they're, I'm like their sister, their brother, they are awful. You know, they're mean, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm like, why, why my sister, why she had two kids, she had a family, you know, and I, you know, I get, you know, you go through every emotion. And then my biggest thing, and I don't know if yours was this way, the stuff people said, you know, Mm. because somebody said to me, so my sister was 50 when she passed and I was 47 Mm. and somebody said to me, and I just wanted to sock them in the face. I, they said, they probably deserved it. (laughs) Yeah. I, they said, do you wish you would have lost your sister when you were younger? And did it so much time with them versus the 47 years you had with your sibling. I was like, you've got to be whether it was five when she died, 10, this is my sibling. Yeah. Yeah. My, like my ride or die, my person I call five times a day, you know, I'm like, how can some, and that's a thing. It's like when somebody passes now. I just say, you know what? There are no words I can say to make any of this any better because there's there's not absolutely just no. I am here if you want to talk, cry, hit, whatever. Yeah, I I I think there's something that changes how you see everything around you, and yeah, people say some pretty stupid things like. You know, uh, I never, I never had anybody say anything of that nature to me. Um, but yeah, people just say stupid things or people be like, oh, it's been like a, a month. It's been a year. You should be okay by now. I, I think I wore black mm-hmm. for close to two years. I think right before my son was born, I remember my mom lecturing me and saying, you need to put color in your life. Mm-hmm. Your children need you to put color back into their lives. Um, and I did. And I remember when my son was born, I was like, okay, you know, I need to, I need baby to blue, do this for, baby pee, whatever. For, my, <laughs> yeah. for, my, for my kids. But I, I think it's exactly, it, it is that it's like, you never, 
you never move on. And you ask the question of like, do you ever feel guilty about celebrating life? And oh boy, is that true. Um, but in the same moment, I think Kareem was so, you know, I hate to say he died doing something he loved, but he did. Like he really did. He was a thrill seeker. Like he loved his book. Yeah. I hated that thing. My husband has yeah. not been allowed to ride since yeah. then. Um, my son is like, I want to ride a motorcycle. I'm like yeah. truly over my dead body. Yeah. Uh, Unless, and and especially not in a city like San Francisco. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, but there are times where I'm, I'm doing things and I'm just like, I should not be having this much fun. I had, I had that experience, you know, last summer and this summer, which was the first time, like we had a family reunion for weddings. We traveled internationally for them. And, um, there's one song that comes on that reminds me of my oldest brother, my older brother's wedding that my younger brother was at. And I remember him dancing mm -hmm. and I remember him jumping up and down when that song turned on. And it's still, so like, it's a, in rotation. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, at, at every wedding you go to, and it was at this wedding and I just wanted to cry. And I said, nope. Kareem would tell me to hold my drink, to jump yeah. up and down and to live this moment with my kids because that's what he would do if he was here. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, um, I, that's, that's just how I celebrate him. I try and go, he would be having so much fun yeah. and he would be so mad at his sister for being so like structured and so <laughs> uptight of yeah. like, no, loosen up, have fun, live this moment. Because if something were to happen to me tomorrow, I'd want my kids to be like, wow, she yeah. really enjoyed that moment, you know, and this is something that they can remember. And so that's, so, so that's where I've stopped trying to feel guilty but Lisa it took a long time again yeah. you know I'm 10 I'm 10 years in um and so it took a long time to be okay to be like two it's like it like you said it was before your brother's birthday so now as a family in eight days you had to celebrate his birthday and that was exactly like my sister her birthday was like two weeks after she had passed and then it's then it was mother's day mm -hmm. and then it's like oh my god how are we even going to get through mother's day mm -hmm. you know and so we as a family decided that um on the date of my sister's birth we'll always always be together and we go and do so I take the kids um, and we do my sister's favorite things that day. And then we all meet back at my parents and we have her favorite pizza, um, a ta big Italian dinner. And then we do a balloon release, just our family every single year. And that's how we celebrate her death. And then on her birthday, we decided that we started a foundation. We just became a 501c3 and it's called the Lorianne Foundation. And we hold a yearly golf tournament on her birthday or the weekend by at her birthday. And then we do a big dead birthday dinner for her. We um, have a cake and everything and all the family is together and 
I love that we do that because I think it's so important for her children to have that tradition too, because all the traditions that my sister had with Christmas, Sunday dinners, they're not going to get that anymore. No. So this is a tradition that my sister's memory will live on through. And mm -hmm. the silly things that we do that my sister loved was me, Haley and Cameron go grocery shopping. <laughs> we go to Ross. I mean, we do the things that we start the day with going to this like quick trip and getting a fountain Dr. Pepper. Like that is, that was her thing. Yes. And so what we do now, did you guys have anything that you did that you yeah. So similar. I think it's very similar, right? Um, he, you know, cream when cream passed away, it was, you know, August 25th. Um, the last time I saw him was a few days before he had come to my house to hang out with my husband. Cause they were really close. And when you talked about Victor being there for you, like, I don't know if I would have gone through it without Paul, like, because they were so close, Paul lost with me and having somebody who could understand your grief yep. and grieve as well, I think survives. I think if he wasn't close to my brother, I don't know how he would have, how our relationship would have evolved because he wouldn't have understand, understood my pain. Um, but he, he came over a couple of days before and I was going to bed and my husband, you know, was like, Hey, Kareem's here, come down and say hi to him. And so I was like, okay, I come down and Last thing I remember, remember saying to him, and there's a special spot in my house, and then this will tell you the bit of the the way we which we I remember him. I was standing right before I go upstairs, and I said, "Hey, Kareem, before you go, we have cake. Do you want some cake?" And the last the last words I've ever heard him say is, "Hell yeah, I want cake." And I went up to my room, and him and Paul had cake, and. Um, and he used to drink Jameson. So they poured themselves a drink and they had cake and Jameson. So it took me a long time. Um, it took me, geez, I don't know how old I am, like seven years before I celebrated my birthday. I did not. When I turned 40, my husband was like, nope, Kareem would want you to have a party and we're going to eat cake and we are going to celebrate your birthday. And he's going to be happy you did that. And, and so the few things that has led me to do is now always make sure there's cake on my birthday. Yeah. And I usually sit on that spot where I last heard his voice and I eat my cake there and I have a glass of Jameson. And we always leave him a piece. He always gets left a piece of cake and a glass um, just on this little table that we have there. So, so that's a tradition. Um, and then a few days after, you know, we had, after his passing, um, we had his service. I will tell you, I've never seen so many people show up. Um, his employer actually, he worked for a restaurant and they closed the restaurant on Labor Day weekend in San Francisco on Pier 39 so that their staff could show up to the funeral. Mm -hmm. So anytime somebody comes, that place is still there and they're like, where should I go? I'm like, I think they're the same owners. You should, you should check out this place. So they, they hold a special space. Um, we threw him a big birthday celebration that year in the park, right where he had his accident. And so we're debating whether we do something similar this year. Mm -hmm. And so on his, on the day of his passing, we always go visit him. That's just what we do as a family. 
uh, will grab something to eat. Like he loved food. What was whatever his favorite? We always bring him a shot of Jameson, and we go and just as a family spend time together. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so the you know it's those it's those kind of traditions. So I make him a cake for his birthday every year. Um, and you know it's crazy. We Paul Paul decided uh, seven years ago to get a puppy while his wife was at work. Um, and, uh, anyways, I came home that day and he's like, Oh, I got a puppy and mind you, we had three young kids. And, uh, I think my son was six months old. And a few days later, I was like complaining about the dog and just like, you know, three kids and a dog and I'm going through a lot of emotional stuff still. And he said, well, we got to keep her. And he goes, I said, why? He said, cause she shares a birthday with your brother. You so I'll never complain about her again. Oh, I still complain about Sumail all the time, but yes. So it's it's a it's a special. It's a there. You know, I think that's how he sends me his little signs. Yeah, yeah. His oh. weird signs. Yeah. But yeah. So yeah. So cake cake is what um is the thing. Yeah. That is my thing. Always eat cake on your birthday. I wear this is my sister's thumbprint. And I always wear it. I don't know if you- Wait, can... how did you get that? So when she passed, um, we had her thumbprints taken and we all have them. And mine on the back says sisters forever. And um, yeah, my mom has it. My niece has it. We all have them. And I just, I never take this off ever. That's yeah. beautiful. So I- uh... I did. I don't know if you've ever seen this, but I actually have Kareem's name tattooed on my wrist. Yeah. So I did that. He had a, uh, after, after he passed away, I realized why there were some times where it was really hot outside and he was wearing pants and because he had two new tattoos on his legs that he didn't want my mom to see. <laughs> um, and so after he passed, we're like, Oh God, we didn't even know those were there. Um, <laughs> So I found the lady who used to do his tattoos and I reached out and I scheduled an appointment with her on the one year anniversary of his passing. Um, and then when I got there, I told her, um, her name was Taylor. I said to her, I said, hey, um, you were my brother's tattoo artist and this is today's the year year since his passing. Um, she had She didn't know. Um, so anyway, so she, she did this for me on his, on his one year and it's just, it, he stays with me this way. Yeah. Closest, well, closest thing to the heart. That's so funny. Cause I, um, this is like a whole nother podcast, but, um, right after my sister died, I lost my dearest, dearest friend. I know and a year later and that was so hard. And so, um, I have both of their fingerprints and I've thought of a memorial tattoo and I don't have any tattoos. And my niece, um, had an artist design a, a memorial tattoo for her. And I told my niece when she's ready to get hers done, I'll be brave enough to get mine done as well. And so I will, get it done, you know, and, um, it's to me, it, oh, I can't wait to see it. Yeah. And it's, I have 
my sister's ashes by my bed. I have a whole memorial thing over here. And Victor said to me, do you, do you find that like you having all this memorial stuff of Lori and Amy, and I had lost my uncle also in the middle of those two. And I said, you know what, that brings me joy. That brings me happiness to see Mm -hmm. that. And Mm -hmm. I said, and I look at their smiles and I said, no, that's how I want to remember them happy and smiling. And, um, so I love having that there. Um, but one comment that you made that I want to touch on, because I think a lot of people that go through grief, this is really, really hard for them. And it's the therapy part, because I think that when you are grieving and you are so raw and you go to a therapist that you've never been to before and they're telling you basically the stages of grief, how you should grieve, you know, basic. And you're like, I don't like her. I didn't like her. I'm not going back to therapy. And so many people don't do the therapy because they can't find somebody they connect with. Mm -hmm. And I know so many people that has, that has happened to them. And I was fortunate because I had a therapist and when my sister passed, it was like two days a week, every week. Um, I couldn't have gone through it without her. I got a life coach. I got a charm Sharma, like all the energy, like I really focused on myself like getting through this and everything, but none of my other, not one person in my family went to therapy. My parents said that their therapy was sitting in their family room at night, crying to each other and talking about my sister. Um, I think others haven't completely grieved Mm-hmm. No, and it's been, you know, like I said, over three years, but I think therapy is so important and finding the right therapist. And if you can't find the right therapist, keep trying to find one. Yeah, I, I think I lucked out. My therapist didn't really focus on the stages of grief. Mm-hmm. She just focused on giving me the space to release what I was feeling Mm -hmm. and what I couldn't say. So those moments where you're like, you know, what do you tell your parents? I can't anymore. Every time I talk to somebody or every time the phone rings or anytime we go somewhere, they ask me about you. Like, how do you tell your parents something like that? You can't. When you're like, you can't, of course you can't. Yeah. Um, I can, I can, I can now after a lot of years. Um, you know, and so it was, it was things like that, that gave me permission to get the things off of my chest. Right. Again, I, I don't know if it's because my daughter was also going through therapy and needed it, but I could talk about what she needed. I can talk about like, how do I, you know, not put all this weight on my husband, but also be okay that it is my brother. And as close as they were, he is still, you know, he was, he was my person. Kareem, Kareem was my person, you know? Um, and so I wouldn't go back and do it any other way. I wish, you know, my brother, my, my brother, my older brother did not go to therapy. I wish he would have. There were many a times where, you know, he would 
have a moment or he would explode or he'd go, you know, yeah. release his emotions in whichever way he did. And it was like, man, you need to talk to a therapist, right? <laughs> and not to be real, though. There are a lot of cultural norms, right? Um, here, here we are as, you know, having two Arab men, both my dad and my brother, who culturally aren't supposed to go to therapy. My dad never went. He went to therapy with my mom to like family therapy yeah. and to parent support groups, but never on his own. And so I do think it allowed it, it allowed me to have the space and not hold that in because I didn't want to put the burden of what I was feeling on everybody else but also holding it in was like the worst possible thing I could have done for myself because I was just digging myself in a deeper hole right um my friendships changed there are people oh those those really change because you then realize Mm -hmm. this person that I didn't think were my people they're your people and the people you thought were the closest are not your people that definitely, you know, and I, my brother-in-law, what he did that was kind of cool is he bought the rights to my sister's cell phone number. And to this day, he still has it. And, (sighs) um, the first year my mom called my sister every day and left messages Um, If something happened, my mom would call, leave messages. I couldn't call because I couldn't hear her voice. And to this day, I still can't. Um, I text her. I still text her. Like, I went and got a job. (laughs) I haven't had a job in years. And I text my sister and I was like, you're never going to believe this. I got a job. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. and because of you thank you (laughs) yeah and so I still text her like because there's so many times and you can relate to this I'm driving and a song comes on or you're thinking about something and I literally just hit and I'm like oh my gosh I just called my sister Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and before she answers I'll hang up you know and But this crazy thing is, is my brother-in-law every now and again will text me from her phone. Oh no, you're like, stop, don't do that. So I, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you a funny cell phone story. Um, That's going to, that's going to just blow your mind a bit. So, you know, my, my mom was ready to like, I think she felt like closing and maybe this was part of her, her her grieving and her therapy was like everything needs to be closed like I remember her like making us go clean out his apartment we're like why right mind you my parents own the the building where he was in so they own the unit so anyway she made us do all these closure things like turn off his cell phone and so uh so we we did all the things we were required to do as children um which also put on a lot of burden of like having to do these things that now in hindsight, I wasn't ready for, right? Like, yeah, I was like why did we clean all this stuff? Like, why? I mean, I still have things that are his from his apartment in bins in my garage, and I'm, including alcohol. And I'm like, what do I need these for? But I'm now not but ready to touch them, right? Um, yeah. yeah. And now it's like 10 years later, I'm like, I really don't need this stuff. Um, but what's ironic is there was, you know, like I said, my brother was into football, um, big, big football fan, big 49ers fan. And they had gone a couple of years before on this big guy's trip to see 
uh, Jerry Rice get inducted into the Hall of Fame. And so all these guys, my favorite went, football player, <laughs> they all went, they went to New York, mm-hmm. they then went to, you know, uh, to, to do the, they, so they did this whole thing, right? Well, they had this group chat where they talked about the Niners and football. And a couple of years ago, one of the years where the Niners were going to the NFL, so, to the Super Bowl, somebody sent a text message on this group chat that my brother's number was on. The person who now has his number replied to them and said, I don't know who you all are, but yes, go 49ers. And so somebody replied in the chat and said, oh my God, we're so sorry. This is so-and-so, you know, I might have been my brother, my brother, my brother's number. He passed away, like, sorry. And he's like, no, keep me on the chat. Well, the last time the Niners were in the Super Bowl, this guy sent the group chat a text message and said, let's go 49ers in memory of your brother. And like, they've never met this person. They don't know who he is. We have no idea who this person is, but he is now part of this chat with my husband and my brother and all their friends. Isn't it wonderful? Like, and those are the things like right now I have the goosebumps because those (laughs) are the things that like, as soon as we moved into this house, I planted this big memorial tree out front and it's called Lori's tree, but I have three bells on it for my sister, my best friend and my uncle. And, um, I'll go out there and it'll be a windy day and it's just my sister's bell that's ringing. And it's like, why aren't the other two ringing? Mm. Or it's a butterfly sitting on her bell or Amy's bell, you know? And it's those little things that I like to think are signs from them, you know, that I just, when they happen, it's like, oh my gosh, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's so mm-hmm. interesting. Um, I do talks um, at schools and stuff and I tell my sister's story and I tell my niece and nephew's story. And then I tell my story and my niece, probably about, I don't know, six months after my sister had passed. So her mom, she was at work and her horn would just go off randomly in her car. And she's like, what in the heck? And so she went to her dad and she's like, dad, like my horn keeps going off. And he's like, are you sure? And she's like, I swear my horn keeps going off. So her dad disconnected the horn. And this woman came into um, the office where my my niece runs a kid's dentistry. And she came in and she said, um, I'm sorry to pry, but um, did you just lose somebody pretty special to you? And my niece said, yeah. And she goes, well, I don't want to sound weird, but I'm seeing these amazing aura uh, colors next to you to the left. And she said, these colors are vibrant pinks and yellows, and there's so much love and all this stuff in these auras. And she told my niece, she said, has things been happening? And Haley said, yeah. And the woman said, that is your mother telling you to go get a new car. And I was like, what? And so she, my sis, the woman said that 
the car wasn't safe for my niece to drive anymore. And it was time for her to go get a new car. That weekend, my brother-in-law, my niece went and bought her a new car. It was, but right. you know, say, believe it. this woman, she goes, she didn't know, you know, and she's telling me. And then the woman texted her about what the colors represented. And I'm almost, if I remember the story correctly, she brought in my niece, a keychain of the aura colors. Mm. And so it's little things like that, that to me, it's just, it's so refreshing yeah. and, you know, and I hope they never end. Um, yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's this interesting piece, right? Like there are times where I feel like I'm moving further and further away from seeing Kareem as time and years pass. Like, you're, you know, it's like, God, I haven't seen him for 10 years. Yeah. What would he be like today? Would he be married? Would he have kids? Would he still, you know, like you, you fantasize about what it is. Um, but in the same breath, I'm like, I feel like I'm finally starting to get these signs from him. And I mean, Kareem was a big gambler and big Vegas person, big Vegas yeah. person. And so I was in Vegas, this, I was in Vegas this week for work and we were in an Uber ride and the Uber driver said something. He said, well, I, I drive Uber to keep myself busy um, after my wife passed away. It's just been really hard. And I, you know, similar to you, I said, I know you miss her. Tell me about her. And so he started talking about her. He said it was eight years. And somehow he said, you ask more than most people do. They don't really. And I said, well, I, I lost my brother. It's almost been 10 years. And he says, does he send you signs? And I said, no, not really. I think sometimes he does, but not enough. I don't get, I've never, I've had one dream with him. And he said, do you ever see pennies? I said, pennies? I said, do you ever see pennies on the floor I said yeah all the time he's like those are from him pick them up start picking them up he's watching you pick them up Lisa I could not make this story up I went back to the hotel it was a really hard day in the office I was like I'm gonna sit by the pool so the rest of my team and I went we sat by the pool they went back to their rooms I was like I just want to be by myself and I was in his space I'm in Vegas this is his space um and I got up and said, I'm going to move tables because I was like wanting to get closer to the water. And I go find a table and I look on the, I, a, a chair and I look on the table and there are four, I took a picture of this because I was like, no one is going to move me. Four pennies and some nickels. And so I, I took all the pennies and put them in my pocket. Um, the nickels. And I was just like, yeah, the nickels could say somebody who's going to feel well, really you know, excited. It's so about crazy. Nickels. You just said that. And my sister's favorite number was four. So crazy. There you go. There you go. So yeah. So yeah. It, it, I just now decided every time I see a penny on the floor, I'm going to pick it up. Well, now I'm going to remember that. So yeah. Well, Kiba, I cannot thank you enough for sharing the story. Um, I know it's, it's hard, but you know what? I want us to be able to talk about our siblings and share their stories mm -hmm. because that's what keeps them alive, you know? And I want other people to know okay. that, Hey, you know, you're not alone, you know, and us siblings mm -hmm. have to stick together. And I always end, um, my podcast with like a quote or something, but I saw this and I kind of wanted to read it. 
It says, my best advice for a sibling in grief, feel the loss as long as you need to and give yourself the time to heal. Because sibling loss is so misunderstood, you may receive messages that make you feel like you should be over it by now. You don't know sibling loss. Now you do. It takes time, lots of time. It's not about getting over the loss of a sibling. You don't get over it. You create your life and you move on. When you're ready, but you will, all rem you will always remember your brother or your sister, that missing piece in your life. And Perfectly you said. They'll always be with us. Yes, they will. So, Heba, thank you. Thank and, you, Lisa. Um, you can subscribe to our podcast at Three Piece Podcast. Check us out on Instagram and have a wonderful day.